0: and to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, and of the increase of his government and and peace there will be no end, on the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness, from this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this the word of the Lord.
1: Thank you, to God. Welcome again to Daniel Island Fellowship and welcome to the start of Advent this morning as we anticipate the coming of Jesus, our King. If you are a guest or I haven't met you yet, my name's Drew and I'm the new pastor of discipleship here at DI Fellowship. I've been here two weeks. It feels a lot longer than that, but only in the best ways. Um, not in a bad way. And a lot of that honestly has to do with just being able to connect with so many of you and have conversations. And on Sundays and in different gatherings, one of those gatherings was during my first week. It was the men's bonfire and barbecue out on the land, which that land is amazing, by the way. Uh, Absolutely phenomenal what God's doing and will do there. And it was a great time to just connect and to talk and have all of these conversations. Now, let me back up from that I got to uh, the bonfire and barbecue that evening in a truck that I inherited from my brother. It's a 1973 Ford F-100 that's in really good shape. And my wife, Laura, and I don't exactly see eye to eye on this vehicle. I really love vintage vehicles. She believes that airbags are important. And, and, And so agree to disagree on that. So I drive this out there that night, and I park it, and at the end of the evening, when everybody's going to get in their cars, it's dark. I go and I get in this truck, and this is an older vehicle, and it has a carburetor on it. And so when you start this vehicle, you're supposed to let it warm up so that the fuel keeps pumping and everything works like it's supposed to do. But I, I didn't want to wait on the vehicle to warm up, and so instead, I started it, and then I just gunned the gas. And here's what happened. The back wheels just started spinning and flinging mud, and I just sunk deeper and deeper into the mud and my pride also sunk deeper and deeper into the mud. It was kind of embarrassing. And luckily, Jason Heil came around, and he attached a rope to it, and he pulled me out. And uh, Aaron Pinnell came by and said something about this being a sign that now me and the church were stuck together. Um, I don't know about that, but that's what he said. Um, but here, here, here's the deal. Getting stuck in the mud at a bonfire, it really isn't a big concern. But what about, let me ask this, what about seasons and circumstances in our life that are. It's hard to be patient. We know this. It's hard to wait, especially when life gets messy as it does and there is an immediate resolution. This is where I find myself regularly asking this question that pops into my head again and again. How do I respond well during the in-between? Any of you relate with that? Maybe today you walked in with something that's really weighing on you. Something that's heavy, something that feels dark, something of concern. Maybe it's been with you for five minutes right before you came in, or maybe it's been with you for for five years. And maybe it's something really big and life-altering, or maybe it's something smaller. Around this time of year, we use words and we hear words like hope and joy and peace and love, but maybe as you sit honestly and think about even right now where you are, words like anxiety, anxiety. Dysfunction, frustration, doubts, chaos, may even feel like a better fit. So let me ask you again, how do we respond well to these real and meaningful challenges that we're either sitting with now or will be at different times in our life, whether that's a season of waiting or carrying the weight of something difficult? And thankfully, God, because of his absolute love for us, he doesn't just leave us alone to sit in it and figure it out on our own. Instead, he speaks in and he steps into our situation. And what we're going to see very clearly today is that how we respond to life's in-between seasons and circumstances is directly connected to where we place our hope. The big idea for today is this, is that help is on the way for those who place their hope in Jesus. Very simple, but so important that we remember this time and time again, day in and day out. Because I don't know if you've noticed it, but life isn't perfect. Life carries challenging seasons. Life carries challenging weights and circumstances. It's so important for us as the children of God. And if you're here this morning and you're just investigating, fantastic. But to remember this and to hold it closely not just now during Advent, but throughout our life, is that help is on the way for those who place their hope in Jesus. If you would, pray with me one more time, and we're going to dive into this passage in Isaiah 9 this morning. Jesus, thank you for your absolute love for us and that love that, that really goes beyond what we can fully understand or grasp or comprehend. Thank you for giving us your word. Thank you for being the word Thank you that this transcends just a time and space when it was written, but it comes all the way through to right now, 2019, here in Daniel Island. And Holy Spirit, I pray that you would open up our hearts, that you would open up our minds, that you would speak to us in a a unique way or maybe open up our hearts in a new way this morning, that we would receive your word, receive your truth, and that it would really penetrate our hearts on a deeper level. Jesus, thank you for your love. Father, we thank you for your love. Would you speak to us now, Jesus, through your word, in your name, amen. All right, so we're going to jump into Isaiah 9. And the first thing that we're going to see here in Isaiah 9 is our need, waiting in the darkness. Let me start off in verse 1. It says, but there will be no gloom for her who was in anguish. In the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun. In the land of Naphtali. Now we need to understand this a little bit is that um, there's some background here Zebulun and Naphtali, these two tribes. There was a great war that came. You saw it in Isaiah 8. There's a great war that came, and these tribes are devastated. There's great devastation and darkness. There was great loss. They were brought essentially to ruin, and they're barely hanging on. There's darkness, there's loss. And they're waiting. Let me ask, where do you need light right now in the darkness? We'll just get right to it. For some of you this morning, maybe you're waiting and you've been waiting. Maybe that's for restoration or growth in your marriage. Maybe it's been waiting for an addiction or a struggle to be broken or to come to an end. Maybe it's been waiting for restored health. Maybe it's been waiting for restored relationships that have been broken or there's been a rift that's come in. Maybe it's been waiting for just a clear path forward in life. What does this look like? Waiting for career clarity. What should I do? Where should I go? What does that look like? For wisdom on what to do now or what to do next. Maybe if you're a student, for what to do after high school or what to do after college. Maybe you've been waiting for a spouse. Maybe you've been waiting for a child. Maybe you've been waiting for healing. Maybe you're still waiting for less chaos and anxiety and stress. Or maybe you're just carrying a heavy weight this morning as you came in here. Maybe it's the weight of a pain from your past. Maybe it's the weight of a wound that's still open, even today. Maybe it's the weight of a fear. Maybe it's the weight of a doubt. Maybe it's the weight of a real loss that this Christmas is gonna look different because somebody's not gonna be at the table. And that's weighing on your heart and on your mind this morning. Whether it's big or small, whether it's been there for five minutes or five years, it all matters. Don't discount it, whatever it is. It all matters because it's all a real part of your life. I can relate with this. My wife and I, Laura, seven years ago, we really wanted to have children. And so we tried, and we, we waited, and a year went by, and nothing happened. And so we made appointments, and we went into the doctor's office, and tests were done. And I had a first surgery to try to help the situation, and then we waited another year. And nothing happened. And so we went in again, and we had more appointments. And there was a suggestion to have another surgery, and so... I had that surgery, and then we waited another year, and nothing happened. And as we sat with that pain and we sat with that grief that was real and it was weighty, not only the weight of the situation and just the waiting, we were praying and we were confiding in friends and family, what should we do, what's next, what does God have in this? There are certain questions that we ask during the waiting or when there's a heavy weight. Maybe you can relate with some of these These questions of, God, where are you? Why are you allowing this? When are you going to make it better? Are you going to make it better? These real, honest places that we sit. Sometimes I would find myself just yelling out these questions in my car, parked in front of our house. Maybe you just need to know this morning that it's okay to bring that to God. That you don't need to hold it all together, and you don't need to hold it all away from Him that that song we just sang, that he's a good father, that that's true. And those of you who are fathers in here, you would not want your child sitting alone in their room, feeling grief, feeling pain, feeling all these things. What would you do? You would want to invite them in. And that's what God wants. It's okay to bring these real questions to him. He's there for you, and he constantly and will always invite you in. And so as we waited through that, we Um, came to a realization that adoption was what God had for us. And then we started that process and it took a year. And then as we ended that process, we waited and we waited and months went by and we wondered, God, when are you going to provide a child for us? And then December of this past year, we got a call that there was a baby that was going to be born a month later. And then on January uh, 28th, this little guy was born. And we got to meet him two days later. But the waiting was hard, and the waiting was heavy, and the waiting was real, and the waiting was dark. And at the same time, all we could do was hold on to the hope that God was still good and He had a plan, even though the circumstance didn't immediately change. It's in these times that our hope is really tested. Because we are all hoping for something, and we all will be hoping in something at different times, even if it shifts. And the longer the season of waiting or the heavier the weight, the more tempted we are to place our hope somewhere else. Maybe we direct our hope to ourselves. I can fix this. I'll try to make this better. I'll step in. Maybe we direct it to a spouse to try to make everything better, or another individual, or to money in a bank account. And the list goes on. The longer the season of waiting, the heavier the weight, the more tempting it is to place our hope somewhere else. And for the people of Zebulun and Naphtali who were sitting in darkness, who had this weight dropped in their lap and experienced great loss and gloom, they had lost almost everything, but here's the great news. This is the great news for you this morning too, is that the story wasn't over. That it wasn't over. And here's God's response as light breaks through. But in the latter time, he has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them a light has shone. Let me just encourage you this morning that no matter what the in-between is that you find yourself in or that you will find yourself in, is that I can promise you this is not the end of the story for you. For the adopted sons and daughters of God, help is on the way and help will be on the way and it will come through and it may not look the way that we think it will and the timing may not line up in the way that we hope it would and it may not even reach full resolve in this lifetime. But don't lose hope. The light is shining through, the light is breaking through the darkness and a new day is coming. Look at verse 3 here. It says, you have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest. These were a people who faced such great loss and brokenness, and now we see a completely different picture as God steps in. As they are glad when they divide the spoil, for the yoke of his burden and the staff of his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor you have broken is on the day of Midian. Every boot of the trampling warrior in battle tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. What we see here in a nutshell is a great victory and a feasting, a literal feast. It's like Thanksgiving turned up to 11, right? It's better than the Thanksgiving we had. And here's what I really want us to see here. Here's what we really need to make note of and not miss. Is that this victory wasn't by their own strength or ability. This victory was not by their own strength or ability. It was won on their behalf. By a good God with a good plan, even for the most challenging areas or seasons of life. As one commentator says here, the type of deliverance the pronouncement pictures seems impo- seemed impossible. Assyria was a world power, and God's people were weak and crushed. Another way to say this is that none of this makes sense. But what we know is that nothing is impossible with God. Many of you have seen that at different points in your life. Maybe you're in big or small ways. What I want you to hear today is that God sees you today, He knows exactly what's on your heart and mind and He has you right where you are, that you're not alone in it. People might leave you, God hasn't left you. Others might abandon you, God doesn't walk out on His kids. He's not turning His back to the messy, to the inconvenient, to the painful areas of our life where it seems dark, where all seems lost where it seems impossible that there's going to be resolution or that light is going to shine through, when we ultimately find ourselves in the ditch, God doesn't just pass us by. And here's what he also doesn't do. He doesn't just reach down and pull us out of the ditch. Instead, he steps down into the ditch with us. And he sits with us as long as it takes. He doesn't walk out. He doesn't abandon. He doesn't walk by. Instead, he sits there with us. This is Emmanuel. This is our hope. This is literally God with us. How do we know this to be true? Because in our time of absolute greatest need, when we were sitting in the utter devastation and darkness of our own sin, of our own rebellion, utterly hopeless and helpless, what does God do? He steps in, in such an unexpected way, not with the crushing hand of judgment that we absolutely deserved, but with the gentle offering of grace And kindness, a baby that is born in the darkness, that would bring a new kingdom and a new light in a way that no one else could and no one else had before. This is much more than the birth of a baby, this is the birth of our living hope, our hope, Jesus. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, the government shall be on his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and evermore the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. This is amazing. Ultimately, what it's saying is help is on the way. This is the very meaning of Advent, the arrival, the coming. I love these names of Jesus that are offered here. The big idea is this, is that he's over and in control of everything, and that includes you. That includes your life. That includes your heart. That includes your neighbor. That includes your coworkers. That includes your family. is that nothing is out of his grasp, nothing is out of his hand, what you might be facing right now, what you might be feeling right now, what you might be waiting on or waiting in, is that he's in control of all of it. every single bit of it. which is absolutely amazing. In these names, when we don't know what to do, he's our wonderful counselor. When life is chaotic, he brings peace because he's the prince of peace. When it feels like the world around us is caving in, says he's a mighty God. And so for the single mom, for the marriage that's struggling, for the addiction that seems impossible to break, for the confused, for those who are waiting on a spouse, on a child, on a relationship, for the anxious, for the hurting, for the doubting, for the worn out, hear this this morning, Jesus has you. He knows you and he has you question is, will you let him? Will you trust him with whatever weight you're carrying or what you're waiting on? Will you trust him with it? See, our hope is not dependent upon the circumstance changing. It's dependent upon trusting the one who has total control over the circumstance. That's where we find our hope, a hope that doesn't shift, that doesn't waver based on the season we find ourselves in but a hope that's based on looking forward and looking upward to a God who has total control. So very practically, how do we get there and how do we stay there? First, we look back at this promise kept. What's pretty amazing about this passage that we've just read is that none of this had actually happened yet. It seems as if it does. It's written as if it's already happened, but It's actually looking forward with expectation, with faith, and with hope that someday it will happen. Between the time that this is written in Isaiah and the time that Jesus actually comes, there are 700 years in between. There's a long period of waiting, but not without hope. There's a long period of expectancy, but not without hope. They would have to wait, but they would hope during the in-between. And for us, we're on the other side of that. We've seen that Jesus has come and we're waiting for him to come again. And so we get to look back at this and we get to remember this promise kept that Jesus did come, that a child was born, this Messiah, the King, Jesus, who would be born to die in our place. That what starts in a stable would ultimately lead to a cross and he would take on our worst and he would give us his best. This is a promise kept, a reason to keep hoping, to keep trusting in him. And not only should we look back at this promise that's kept, but we can also look back at our own life. Think about the small ways and the big ways that God has shown up time and time again in your life. That we don't forget that or we don't put that over here on a shelf to gather dust, but we constantly go back to those moments and those times and we remember how God has been faithful and how he's shown up. This is so incredibly important as we look to hold on to hope. And second, we look forward to a promise being kept. I absolutely love what Revelation 21 says. And maybe this is for you today that your situation or where you're waiting, maybe it's not going to find complete resolve here in this lifetime. And that is tough. It's okay to say that. It's difficult. There's no magic solution. There's no maybe magic answer. But I want you to hear these words in Revelation 21. This promise that in the end, when it comes down to it, that Jesus... He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, behold, I am making all things new. No matter what you're facing this morning, this is not the end. This is not the end, and God's not leaving you there we have heaven in our sights, that we're looking forward to a day where there are no more tears, where there are no more struggles, where there is no more pain, where there is no more loss, where Jesus brings everything to full resolve and we are standing face to face with our King and he doesn't have a grumpy look on his face, instead he has a smile as he welcomes us in and a good father who has adopted sons and daughters and loves doing that time and time again with open arms, that this is what we're looking forward to, that even in the darkest day that we know that light is coming. Light is shining through. It has shined through through Jesus, and he is coming again for his children. And so even in those darkest and most broken places, the places we don't like to share, the places we don't like to open up, the places that we struggle the most, whatever that weight is, whatever that waiting is, Jesus has you there, and he is not going to let you go. He's coming again, and he's going to make all things new, and he's going to make all things right. Right. And that's why we place our hope in him. We not only look back, we not only look forward, but we look to Jesus again and again. Ultimately, that's where we look. We look to the cross and we remember his love and we look to the grave and we remember his power to overcome death. And we place our hope there. One of the most comforting phrases is help is on the way. Why is that? because it's this fantastic reminder that we aren't in it alone. That we aren't in it alone. You are not in it alone this morning. God is with you. He can relate. As a father, he knows pain. He knows loss, and he knows your heart. So as we conclude, I want us to ask three questions. In the waiting, no matter how dark or for how long, I also want us to realize that waiting doesn't mean wasted. Waiting doesn't mean time is wasted. What I found to be true time and time again in my own life and in the lives of others, that it's sometimes at these times, the in-between that God does some of his most important work on us and in us during these in-between moments. And so first question, what is God trying to show you or teach you through blank, whatever that is? I would so encourage you to take time maybe later today or maybe right now before, you, before we get to communion to sit with that, to ask that honest question. God, what are you trying to show me right now? What are you trying to teach me right now? Secondly, what do you need to hand over to Jesus today? Maybe there's a really heavy weight. Maybe there's a season of waiting that you've been holding on to with tight fists. And today's the day that you actually hand that over that you trust him with whatever that is. Maybe for someone today, that's your very life. Maybe you're here and you don't have a relationship with Jesus. Maybe you've had a skewed idea of who Jesus is, or this idea that Jesus could never love you because of whatever. Maybe for the first time today, you're realizing that Jesus wants to have a relationship with you, that he wants to be your savior, he wants to be your hope. Maybe today is the day that you hand over your life. That you hand him your worst and you take his best. That you confess your sin and you receive new life. I would so encourage you toward the end of this service as we have a prayer team in the back that you would take advantage of that. There's nothing worth celebrating more than new life in Jesus. Or maybe for the rest of us who have a relationship with Jesus, it's just that one thing that's popped into your mind that it's time to hand over today that it's time to let go of, that it's time to trust Jesus with, even though it's hard. And then lastly, because we don't do this alone and because our faith is not just individualistic, who do you need to encourage today? Who in your community group, who in your neighborhood, who in your family is in a period of waiting or carrying a heavy weight and they need you to come around them and be a burden bearer? just to encourage them. Even as we sing and we respond in a few moments, maybe somebody pops into your mind that's even in this room. What does it look like to go and pray with them and to say, I've got you in this? It's amazing how God uses us who have the Holy Spirit within us to be his hands and feet and to carry one another's burdens. So maybe there's somebody that comes to mind today that you need to encourage. As we start into this Advent season, as we watch the story of Jesus coming unfold, But even far beyond that, let us remember and let us remind one another of this great truth that help is on the way for those who place their hope in Jesus. Jesus, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for the help that you offer. We thank you that you have met our greatest need in giving your life for us. God, I pray that today might be a day of freedom for some, that it would be a time of handing over what we've held so tightly. That it would be a new or renewed trust in you. That maybe that thing or that season that it seems impossible, that light is going to break through, that we would trust you with that. We would trust you as the light to be the light. Jesus, for one who may not have a relationship with you, would, that be, would today be the first day of the start of that relationship? And would we celebrate that as a people as a church. Jesus, we thank you that we do not go it alone. We thank you that you are Emmanuel, God with us, one who would leave his throne, who would take on flesh, who would come, who would live the life that we couldn't, and that you would give your life for us. May we remember that time and time and time again, that you are our help, that you are our hope, and you never leave us or forsake us. Jesus, we thank you for this truth. We pray all of these things, Jesus, in your name. Amen.